traveling on the roads, oftentimes we see billboards posted. I remember one for McDonald's that had just the big sign of a Big Mac and a drink, and it just said, hungry yet? And it was this idea that sometimes our appetites guide our direction. Sometimes when we're traveling, and maybe you're like this, you're looking for, maybe you go to a new town or new city, and you've heard about a restaurant there. Or maybe when you're traveling, all your stops are based along food, and deciding which food, and you're watching the signs and deciding where it is to stop. And so our appetites are something that tend to guide and drive us often. And our story today is much about that, is about appetites and our hunger. Now, chapter six of the book of John is a dense chapter. There's a whole lot in there, and we're not going to be able to get into every little detail and all the background, everything that's going into it. You notice we even just read little parts of it, and there's parts we skipped over and parts we didn't get to. But what I want us to focus on are some of those key ideas and pictures. And it starts off, and it tells us that Jesus had crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it says um, that it was the Passover, the Jewish Passover festival was near. And so the story begins with this imagery of the Passover loaded. And so the Passover was this feast that celebrated when God liberated his people out of bondage and slavery. So Moses had led them out of slavery and then they took them through the desert. And while they're in the desert, they're fed with bread miraculously from heaven. They come and all these things are loaded into it. And, and the picture in the people's mind is each year in Passover is, is God going to do this again? Or more importantly, maybe a better way to say this, when is God going to come and truly set us free? Because they'd been liberated out of bondage and slavery in Egypt thousands of years before. But now they're still under this bondage of Rome. And so they're wondering, when is God going to come and to set us free? And there's this crowd that gathers. And they're all coming. <laughs> Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Because in those days... There weren't, weren't subways. There weren't places to stop and get food. And when a crowd gathered, part of the question was, where's the food going to come from? Many of the people who gathered to hear Jesus were subsistence farmers. They lived day to day wondering about the next bite of food. And so you can imagine if you're a traveling speaker like Jesus and you come and you speak and there's these crowds gathering. One of the questions is, how are we going to feed them? And so he asks one of his disciples, says, well, where are we going to buy it? And his disciples are like, come on, Jesus, that'd take eight months wages just to buy it. And, for... and then the other question is, where are we going to get all that food? But Jesus doesn't seem particularly worried about this. And so the story goes on and one of the disciples said, well, here's this boy and he has five barley loaves and barley loaves were the, the food of the poor and the fish. And, and Jesus is like, well, that'll be enough. You're thinking, okay, thousands of people, five loaves of bread, two fish. I don't think that's going to be enough. But Jesus is not concerned about it. And he has the people sit down. And this is a familiar story. It shows up in all four of the Gospels. This story where Jesus takes a small amount of food and multiplies it. Takes this little bit, multiplies it, and feeds a crowd. And it says there are baskets left over. And they all eat. But then... The crowd gathers all these pieces, and they, it says the crowd saw the, what they began to do, and they think he's a prophet. But then there's this interesting part. It says, Jesus, 
knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So Jesus has just fed this crowd. So now you're thinking, wait a minute, if this guy can feed a crowd with that little amount of food, just think what he could do if he were the king. What he could do if he were in power. And so there's this sense of this maybe is God's answer. God is finally sending someone to rescue him. So we're going to put him in charge. It's sort of a sense of if this guy can feed us, we can use him. I mean, he can do stuff for us. In other words, the people have an agenda. They have a plan. I mean, what would you do if you met somebody who could take five loaves and two fish and feed a crowd? You'd think, man, I could use a guy like that. Just think what we could do here. And so there's this sense of they have a plan, but it's not the one that Jesus had. It's a sense of, they think they know what they need. They think they know what they want. At this point, what they're just focused on is, we just got a free meal. I mean, we got a huge meal out of nothing. And their minds are revolving around that. In the same way, we often think we know what we need. We think we know what we need or what we want. And so the story kind of drops off there, and then the story continues on, and there's this story where Jesus crosses over to the other side. The disciples come to the steam and Jesus walks on water. But the point is they get to the other side and the crowd's chasing Jesus. They're kind of following him. They're like, all of a sudden they look up and they're like, where did he go? Where'd that guy go who gave us all that food? And so they run around to the other side of the lake and they ask him when he got there and Jesus answered. He says, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You think, wait a minute, you didn't see the signs? In other words, when Jesus says signs, what he's saying is, you didn't see what the sign was pointing to. Yeah, you saw a miracle. You saw these loaves multiplied, but you didn't see what it was pointing to. He goes on, he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And he's basically saying, you saw the sign, you saw the miracle, but you didn't see what it was pointing to. You didn't see what it was all about. And Jesus is drawing them in. And they're like, well, what do we do? And Jesus says, well, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And he goes back and forth like this. And that's why I said we're, we're kind of going quickly through this passage because I want to get to one key verse at the end. But he goes back and forth. The people ask a question. Jesus gives an answer. But he doesn't always answer the question that they're asking. And so sometimes that might even be the lesson for us is, are we asking the right questions? Sometimes we ask questions. I think most of us have questions for God, don't we? Or we're asking, or maybe we're asking about life and we're asking a question to God of like, what do I do next? Or how do I do this? And what we see here in the story is sometimes we're not asking the right questions. And sometimes we're not listening to the answers. So we see in the story, the crowds ask a question, Jesus gives them an answer, and then they ask another question which doesn't seem related to the question, the answer that Jesus gave. 
And so maybe you've had that experience where someone asks you a question, you give them an answer, and then they continue to ask questions. You think, did you hear the answer I gave you? And that's what it feels like sometimes is sometimes we don't listen that we ask God a question, we get an answer, and we don't like the answer, or maybe we don't really listening, and so we kind of move on. And so the crowd is like, well, we want some proof. Show us that you're really the guy. And so Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who has given you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So now here we remember, it was what time? It was Passover. And part of Passover is the people of God coming out of slavery. And part of that story is they're going through the desert. And in the desert, they start complaining and whining, which when you read the story here, the people are grumbling and complaining. And God says to them, I'm going to provide food for you. And he gives them food, this manna, this bread that comes down from heaven. And Jesus is saying to them, he says, but it wasn't Moses that gave it to you, but it was God who gave. It was the Father. And so we see again a picture of a God who provides. And the people are like, oh, come on, we want that bread. In other words, we want to see God work again just like he did before. We want that word again. And this is here the verse I want to focus on. It says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go thirsty. And whoever believes in me, I'm sorry, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. So they're, they're grasping. They're saying, we want that bread. We want, we want this thing that God provides. And it seems like maybe they're still thinking about that great meal they just had. They're just thinking about that potluck where there was just plenty of food. And they're thinking, oh, yeah, we want some of that. And he's saying, no, no, no. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the one that will get, give you what you need. And so we think back about this story and how it's gone. Jesus has come. He provides this meal for them. They come after him again and they ask for food. And Jesus says, no, there's something deeper. And they kind of go back and forth and they want the bread that came from heaven just like Moses. And he said, well, it wasn't Moses. It was God who gave it to you. And they're like, okay, well, we want some of that bread. And Jesus says, well, but I am the bread of life. And later it goes down further in verse 47. It says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And gets out later if you want to read some weird Bible stuff is when it gets down and Jesus says, well, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And you're thinking, well, this is just some crazy stuff here. But he's talking all about this same thing. He's talking about these same ideas of what it is. But I want to think about that phrase when Jesus says, I am the bread of life and what's going on. And so as we think about it, a few ideas to kind of take this home and say, what do we do with this picture of these things? And the question one is, what kind of life are you looking for? For he says, I am the bread of life. I mean, our culture that we live in has an obsession with, well, lots of obsessions, don't we? But one of them is staying young, is not growing old. In many parts of it, think of the billions of dollars that are spent on 
de-aging, of looking younger than you are, of dyeing your hair, of putting things on, or of a fitness industry. Oh, stay healthy, stay young in this picture of what it is. And we have this sense of, question one is, does it ultimately work? Fools people for a little while, but eventually you still grow old. You still grow And it's this focus, I would, but Jesus is offering something more. In verse 27, he has said, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Because he recognized that some of the things we work for, they don't last. We might think we can gain life through a religious system or through politics, whatever it is, but those things ultimately fail. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not saying, I'm the bread that keeps you looking young and healthy. He's talking about something different. We think in terms of quantity of life. Jesus is speaking of quality of life. He's talking later on in a few chapters. We'll get to this. He talks about life and life to the full, this abundance of life. The kind of language is eternal life. And he means by that not simply life that lasts forever, but life of a certain kind of category of life with God. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I'm offering to you a different kind of life. I'm offering you something different. But there's something else that's going on. And it's the recognition that God is both the provider and the provision. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he doesn't just say, I can give you the bread of life. I talked earlier about how we're driven by our passions and by our desires, by our hungers. And the temptation of God's people throughout the ages is sometimes to see God as simply the one who provides. When the people of God were in the desert and God sent them the manna, they were happy for that. And then they wanted water and then they got tired of the bread. And so then he sent them quail. And then he warned them when they got into the promised land that they would, God would give them all these things. But the temptation was they would begin to believe that they had done it all for themselves. The temptation sometimes is to simply see God as someone who, who provides. Is God a provider? Yes, absolutely. Is God the giver of good gifts? Yes, God gives. But where does that go wrong? It goes wrong when we begin to decide what we want. When we think we know what's best. When these good desires go wrong. So we start thinking, well, God's a provider. Let me see what I want here. And we start making a list of things. We say, well, God, could you give this to me? God, could you give that to me? God, could you give me this? And so we start to desire many, many different things, ultimately all of which fail. But we begin to focus on God as simply the one who provides. But when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I'm not simply the one who provides, but I'm the provision. In other words, the one who ultimately fulfills our needs, the ultimately the one who fills our desires is Jesus. St. Augustine talked about desires and what he talked about was sometimes it's not just wanting the right things, but it's wanting the right things in the right way. And so we crave certain things. We crave independence. We crave affirmation. We crave relationships. And we find them sometimes in many places, 
But when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying there's one place alone that you can find your fulfillment in all these things. So we have to ask ourselves the question, are we seeing God as simply a provider or do we see God himself as the provision? Do we see Jesus as the one who ultimately not only provides, but is the provision? Do we want just what Jesus can give us or do we want Jesus? And there's a difference between those two. Because it's tempting to just want what Jesus can give us. Just like in human relationships, sometimes we, we make friends with someone only because they have some stuff that we want. We hang out with them because they're the one who has the boat. and We don't have to pay for it. We're around them because they've got the right circle of friends. We're around them because maybe they can help us move up the ladder of success. That's not really friendship, is it? In the same way with God, if we simply want God for what he can give us, God's saying, I don't want you to just want me for what I can give you. I want you to want me. And so when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's saying, don't just see what I can give to you. See me for myself and desire me. And ultimately, we also recognize then that we need Jesus to live. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he uses something simple, bread. Bread is that staple of life. No matter what culture you go to, no matter what culture you're part of, there's some form of bread, something that's kind of the main thing that goes along with everything. And in this whole exchange later on where it's talking about, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What Jesus is getting at is that we need him to live. A man named Thomas Howard wrote, and he called it, called it the principle of exchange. The principle of exchange is this, that every time we eat, we're taking in something that was once alive. Well, nowadays there's a lot of chemicals and stuff, so I'm not really sure about that. But for the most part, everything we take in was once alive. Whether it's a meat or a vegetable, whatever, there was some life, something gave up its life so that we could live. Grain grows, the grain is cut down. It loses its life, it's made into bread and we eat. A pig loses its life and it's made into bacon and all those wonderful things of life. But we take in the life of all those things so that we can live. And so when Jesus says, you must eat my flesh, and drink my bread. He's saying, we need to take in the life of Jesus in order to live. He says, I am the bread of life. Your man's ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. This is verse 48 and following. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which will I give for the life of the world. And so he's inviting us to take that in. In other words, how does Jesus provide life for us? By laying down his own life. And then he invites us to take in his life or to participate in his life as he's resurrected. He's saying that's the source of life. So when he's saying, I am the bread of life, he's saying, if you want to live, if you truly want to have life, the only way is to take me in. And the way he describes the way to do that is not only through the eating and the drinking, 
but by belief. We could go back to the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. So when Jesus proclaims, I am the bread of life, he's saying, if you want life, life here and now to its full and life eternal, the only way to do it is to take me in. To take my life for your life. And the only way to do that is to believe, to put your trust in him, to give your allegiance to him. Jesus provides life for us by laying down his life. He's the bread of life. And so in a moment when we come to the communion table, we're reminded of that. We say those words, we take a piece of bread and a, a cup and we drink. We say, this is... The, the body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. It's a reminder, a symbol that say, the only way to live, the only way to truly have life is to take Jesus in. To receive his life for your own. As you hunger, as you search for life, and as you search for things to fulfill, we're reminded when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that there is only one who fill, fulfills our hunger. There's only one who fulfills our desires. There is only one who can truly give life. And his name is Jesus. Amen.